guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. As you're all realizing by now, Reformation is always a messy process. So we're taking the time to have conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. We want to keep giving thanks to all of you who just keep faithfully listening each week and getting the word out about this podcast. And we want to encourage you to keep sharing this with other pastors throughout the CRC and other members throughout the CRC as well. We want these conversations to spread throughout the CRC. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are hoping to drop episodes every Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's show, which is part two of our conversation with Matthew Hahn. But we're, we're missing the call for ministry. Yeah. I mean, Christ's kingdom is called to expand. It's called to take enemy territory. It's called to grow. And uh, it can't do that as it is in GR right now. And I think there we're, we're having a hard time making some of these really difficult decisions because um, the call f- uh, for the call, and I'll just, I'll put this in quotes, the call for unity, <laughs> right? We, we can't make this. Very hard Biden, dis- you? Yeah. What? <laughs> what was that? It was very Biden of you. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's been kind of my, my frustration for, um, and it's interesting because I'm also, you had mentioned you were a history major and you love history and I'm not a history major, but I do love history. And I, uh, I read CRC history a lot. And uh, it's been funny that, you know, you know, the 1920s was a really hot period in the CRC. I mean, there was so much fighting about theology and we lost so many good people over the common grace issue which seems so small to us now um but i remember in one of the history books i was reading they said after they got done with all of the fighting in the 20s they decided we were done fighting and and then the 30s they just ignored everything and they're like we're not going to fight about anything and then it just kind of and i feel like the same thing happened to us in the nineties after the women in office issue that it was such a battle and it was going on for 20 years and back and forth and flip and flop. And, and then when it finally got done, it was like, all right, we're done fighting and we're just going to call for, and I put this in quotes, unity, which as we look now, 30 years later, um, how much unity do we really have in the CRC? Mm. Um, Yeah. I think that's a big problem, right? I mean, there's pockets of unity here and there and you know there's classes that have some unity but really everyone's still on eggshells and it didn't really solve anything um like i said it you know the denomination didn't follow through and say well this is how you live together uh Mm. these are the rules uh you know we finally had to do that in class of psychota um 
And I think it uh, was sent to at least three other classes to adopt as their rules for governance. But, you know, yeah. the denomination didn't want to take it up because it came from class of Sayakota. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, it's one of those things, right, where uh, it's so interesting how, again, we, we can win. We can win if the conservatives actually take the time to do it. I've been on the winning side. It's possible. It's yeah. productive. Yes, it takes effort. Yes, it takes conversation. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. Yeah, and it takes some confrontation, right? I think Absolutely. there needs to be, uh, you know, uh, if, if if you've ever talked to anybody, which I know as a pastor, right. you have, who you've talked to somebody who's gone through a divorce, right. the point when they knew the divorce was inevitable is when they decided they were stopped, they were not going to fight anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they when the point where they said okay we're not fighting anymore then it's like okay there's no unity there then you're just going to move further and further apart you're going to dig into trenches and uh the the call to stop fighting because we want to be one is just well not biblical either (laughs) no you know a lot of people a lot of people just don't understand how to debate anymore that debate actually means hearing you have to hear and I think we've gotten to a point right now where people are entrenched. People are going to, you know, and, and they should be, right? I mean, especially on the, on the sexuality report, it's either you are orthodox with all of God's word or you're not. And, you know, be entrenched. That's a good, that's a good thing. But we're entrenched in our position. And I, I, don't, I don't know that there's a way forward right now to just say, well, we're just going to get along as roommates. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't yeah. work. You know? Yeah. And uh, because our, our denomination's not set up for us to be, no. to it, to say that we're going to live together as roommates is to say, we're going to be together and not be covenantally bound together. It'd be like, it's like saying we should live together and not be married. Um, you know, I would, that, I would argue a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, people in the CRC would argue for, if they were given the opportunity, you know, I, I, that's the, true. It's coming up. I've, I, as in some of the frustration with the human sexuality report, I'm hearing people say, Oh, we've been, you know, are you saying we can't marry somebody then who's living together before they're married? <laughs> like, ah. right. Yeah. Uh, you've both kind of touched on the sexuality report. So I was just going to ask, uh, Matthew, have you actually read uh, basically either the entirety of the, of the report or the conclusion? And what are some of your anticipations as we deal with this going into Synod 2021? You know, I, I have read it. And I think the biggest the biggest consternation point for the progressive side is is the confessional statement of it. and uh, And we all on the orthodox side are shocked and thankful uh, of the report and the way it sits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it's almost unbelievable how that, how that came together. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's interesting how, how you even have the quote unquote conservative guy that says, well, but I want to be missional, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to marry whoever and uh, no, put the work in man put the work in, um, you know, have those people understand what they're doing 
that what they're doing yeah. isn't just what mom and dad see or what the church is going to see. It's what God sees. And, you know, walk with them and into understanding what it means to seek repentance. Um, but that's not a negative thing. It's a glorious thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we, I, we, we've forgotten how to do that. Yeah, we've, we've missed the essence of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Not just make converts and get them in your church and try to teach them how to be um, good givers. Um, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And, uh, and um, yeah, I, it's frustrating. I really appreciated this last week. I read an article by uh, Dr. Michael Goheen, mm -hmm. who uh, he was my missional ministry professor at Calvin Sem. And that was one of my favorite classes, but he wrote a great article talking about the missional nature of uh, not accepting homosexuality. Yeah. And I thought that was, that was a good, um, you know, angle for him to take it and say, no, part of mission being missional is being a, a counterculture, a contrast community into the world, being a light and saying, uh, being different. And so if we become just like the world, then we actually have lost our mission in the well, world. Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, all of the, all of the charges in the late 20th century against missionaries being sent to other countries was you're bringing American culture with you. That was, that was the number one charge. There is nothing more American at our cultural point right now than to try to push homosexuality down the throats of the world. And, you know, it's like abortion. You know, the world really didn't uh, promote abortion until America started promoting abortion. Mm -hmm. And this is where the CRC and all churches like it need to take a firm stand here and say, this is a hill worth dying on. And, you know, have the measure of discipline that is given in God's word very explicitly and also in our own polity to say this is how we need to move forward. And, you know, unfortunately, you'll have those who don't want to endure that or go through that and they will resign their membership and, and move on, but they have the right to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but the conservatives have to hold the line. Uh, to use a civil war term, hold the line uh, because so many conservatives want to give up the ghost right now. And, um, you know, we have, we have the majority, but if people start hitting the eject button, that's not going to help anybody. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think I, as I've talked to people, I, I read the human sexuality report too, and I've been kind of engaged with some of the, uh, um, counter overtures coming um to this coming synod and uh, i've as i've talked to people i've said one thing that i've noticed is none of the overtures that i've read anyways or i've been aware of coming to this upcoming synod none of them are addressing the theology of the report exactly. um, um they're all only addressing confessional status and and they're addressing confessional status again in the name of quote, unquote, unity. Um, most of them are saying, 
yeah, they're saying, man, if, if if we adopt this as confessional status, this will be the most divisive thing we could do right now. And uh, and that's all of the engagement. And I said, for one, that tells you a lot about just the strength of the theology and the biblical, you know, uh, exegetical work that they did in the study. Um, but it also tells you this, uh, this unity that we keep calling for is uh, it's a false unity. It's, it's a unity on what? Um, and as and other people we've interviewed on this podcast said, well, it's a unity in either Dutch identity, CRC identity, but it's not a unity based on Christ and the gospel, well, which is the, where our unity has to be. Well, and you know, I think it's a unit, you know, it's, it's a call for unity on feeling, right? And yeah. I just preached on this a couple weeks ago, the difference between faith and feeling. And it really boils down to feelings can always be offended and hurt. Faith cannot. Yeah. If you're faithful, you cannot be offended. I mean, faith just can't be offended. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, feelings can though, you know, uh, faith really can't be hurt per se, if you're Orthodox, but feeling sure can be. And I think we have, we're trying to move to this unity of feeling and there is no unity in feeling. Yeah. Hmm. You know, you have to have unity of faith and faith only works the best when faith is pushed to move. And that's where we are actually using the faith we've been given. Make those muscles work. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, you know, this is where people have a really hard time because that means that I'm going to disagree with uh, with Sam over there and Sally over here. Yep, you are. And you need to. Yeah. And I don't think most of those disagreements, um, well, I've had both. I, I, I'm not going to come here and say that every disag- every time I've approached somebody and said, um, I, we disagree on this theologically or, or I disagree with this lifestyle of yours as well. Um, not every time that goes well, right? But there are times, um, I've had two of them recently. Um, one, one man I met with recently who um, was planning to uh, transition to become a woman. And uh, uh, that conversation as I, and actually I used a bunch of the stuff from the report and, and talked him through it and uh, he's going to reconsider and he didn't leave angry and offended at me. He, he actually understood that we cared for him and loved him, which is why we were talking to him about this. We didn't want him to hurt himself exactly. and uh, physically or spiritually. Right. And, uh, and another couple I've talked with recently who are living together, they're not married and wanting to become members of the church. And, and I said, okay, we need to talk about this. Not because I'm some big mean jerk, exactly. because I care about you. And we want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to be in line with, with Christ's will. He, he knows how we're supposed to live in the world. He knows, like, Christ never takes anything away from us that's good. Exactly. I mean, that's ridiculous. He, he only takes away the bad things, the things that are going to destroy us. And that's what's interesting, you know, so often the liberals will quote the story of the woman at the well, right? And <laughs> what, what, what does the woman at the well actually say to the townspeople? Come and meet the man who told me all my sins. Yeah. Don't come and meet the man who made me feel good about my sin. Come and meet the man who told me, who challenged me, who confronted me. 
about all the divorces I've had and the man I'm living with now that isn't your husband. Yeah. Where is that? Right. And it's amazing. The more that's leaned into, the more that's taught from the pulpit and worked through in the pastor's study in counseling. And the more authentic that is, the more churches grow. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think, you know, some of the pushback and, and I think there's some healthy pushback because I think there have been, I don't know what you want to call them conservatives over the year who just get crabby at people and just oh, say, yeah. oh, it's a sin. That's a sin. Just stop it. Yep. And uh, it's not done with a loving tone. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a point and, and okay, chill out actually love these people and understand that that following christ is not some big crabby grunt fest i mean it's it's actually um my favorite my favorite uh q a from the heidelberg catechism um is regarding what is what it what's involved in genuine repentance and conversion right and it's the the dying the self and the rising to the new life and it says what is dying to self hating sin and running away from it more and more. And what is the rising to new life? And it's wholehearted joy in, uh, and I forget the full quote, but wholehearted joy in following Christ and, and obeying his will. And I'm like, this is the Christian life, hating sin, but then the Christian life should be characterized by wholehearted joy in following Christ because it's good. Like this is good stuff that we we're called to do and live out. Well, and, and Christ is joy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in John chapter two, when he makes the 180 gallons of wine, you know, when Mary came to him and said they've run out of wine, what she really meant was they've run out of joy. Hmm. And I mean, wine, you know, practically, but they've run out of joy. That's what the rabbi saying was in that, that era. And I think a lot of people don't realize how little Jesus they have hmm. because they have so little joy. But if they had more joy, they, you know, they'd have more Jesus and they'd have more patience as, as you have been indicating. Amen. Amen. So, but it's, uh, no, I think there are so many opportunities and I wish the conservatives would, would smile and rejoice and say, wow, we live in an era where there are so many opportunities for us. You know, like the people you were just speaking of uh, that were wrestling with homosexuality. There are so many resources today of people who have left that lifestyle and left for faith. You know, Rosalita Butterfield and and many others like her have written so many resources. You know, we don't have to go and invent the wheel. We just have to read the book. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's such an amazing time to be a minister in in Christ Church right now. And you hardly ever hear that from conservatives. Yeah. I mean, the temptation is um, you can look at the world we're in right now and you can look at it two ways. You can look at it one way and you can say, the world's headed to hell in a handbasket. Or you can look at it where Jesus says, the field is ripe for the harvest. Um, And that's the truth. I mean, the field is ripe for harvest. There are people all over the place who need Jesus. And, uh, and we have a message and a gospel and of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this work. Uh, you're right. We can, we can just get crabby and frustrated, or we can say there's a lot of opportunity for good gospel ministry. Let's, let's get to work. Well, and there's, there's opportunity everywhere, right? I mean, I mean I'm ministering in Sioux County, Iowa. You know, uh, many in the national uh, 
understanding of, of life would say Sioux County, Iowa is the, has to be the most Christian Republican area of the whole country. Um, but what's interesting is Sioux County, Iowa has, yes, a great pocket of, of Christian reformed and reformed and Dort's here and so on. But we have two thirds of the Netherlands church, Netherlands reformed church that isn't mm. reformed and isn't Christian at all. You know, um, we have the Protestants here. We have the heritage folks here. We have a whole mismatch of all kinds of, of people that worship or don't worship. And so in even, uh, you know, blood red Sioux County, there is so much opportunity to present the gospel. I mean, literally two doors down, we have the Netherlands Church, 1,600 members 22 members have professed faith in Jesus. The other 1,500 wow. odd members profess faith in the church. Mm. Whoa. You know, I mean, Whoa. so we live in a, I mean, our ministry is in a very interesting paradigm. Yeah. We have people that go to church three times a week or three times a Sunday, but they do not pray in the name of Jesus. They do not believe they're saved by Jesus. Uh, they do not read the New Testament. They do not take the elements of communion. Um, you know, reforms in the sign, but nothing else. Uh, yeah. You know, so, but a lot of people have tried uh, ministering here and say, well, you know, they have all the power. You can't talk that way about them, so on. No, tell the truth. Amen. Tell the truth with the gospel message. Uh, you know, they broke away from us. Uh, they were part of the Christian Reformed Church early on in the 20s, like you said, the, yeah. the rebunctious uh, 20s. And, uh, you know, but they left not only the church, but they left the gospel. Yeah. And, and so often that happens. Um, we have the opportunity to come back to that. And so let's do it, you know. Uh, so... Yeah, so kind of our final question here as we're coming to wrap up, we ask everybody this question. It's a two-part question, and you can nuance it however you want. But the first part is, do you think the CRC is worth saving? And then why or why not? The CRC is absolutely worth saving um, because Christ has done faithful work for many, many years. And... The reason it's worth saving is because Christ is still at work. Amen. And I think as long as Christ is still at work in the Christian Reformed Church, then we have to be the servants in his field, willing to do the labor. And, you know, is it going to be hard at times? Yes. Are we going to have battles that we're going to come back with arrows in, in our side and sword wounds in our face? Yes. Um, but it is okay, you know, because um, we, Plantig has said this. He said, a life without suffering, without embarrassment, without inconvenience for the sake of Christ is not a Christian life. Amen. And, you know, I have that quote hanging in my office. And, and I think it's so important for us to, to remember that as CRC ministers, as CRC members, but ultimately as members of Christ's living church, um, that 
it is worth doing the work because Christ is here. And so, you know, our job is to preach Christ, uh, to love God's people and to serve God's people. And as long as we do that in that order, the CRC is worth saving. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, one of the uh, passages of scripture that popped into my head is we've been talking about these battles. Um, one that I've meditated on over the years as I've been in my own struggles is, is Paul in Acts 20. As he's talking to the Ephesian elders, he says, I consider my life worth nothing. If only I may finish the course and the ministry I received of the gospel. And I forget the exact last wording of God's grace. But I mean, that's I consider my life worth nothing. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get locked in jail. I'm going to get shipwrecked. And none of that matters as long as I'm taking the next step forward and doing what God has called me to do, which is the ministry of God's grace through the gospel. I mean, which is proclaiming the gospel and bringing it forward. Well, and I, and I think that's where, you know, the CRC ran off the rails some time ago when it comes to having people quote unquote certified for ministry, right? Mm. You might want to cut this and put this somewhere else in the interview, but you know, <laughs> it's so important that people make the sacrifice and go to seminary. I mean, when I went to seminary in 2009, we were penniless. We had to sell everything. I went through with my wife and my firstborn son, and we were all in living by grace and faith. There was nothing else. There was no other bridge. Nothing else existed. We had to go. And I think we have made a, a huge disservice to people when we have not encouraged them to go. Hmm. We have all these other ways of getting into ministry, commission pastor and all these other things. And people make all these excuses to say, well, I just can't I just can't sell my business or I just can't do this or I can't move or I can't. There is no word of can't in God's Bible. Can't does not exist mm-hmm. there. You know, you can look it up, but yeah. there can't doesn't exist, you know, because God never says can't. Um, no, when, when God tells you go, you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's so important that we have more ministers that are absolutely committed and committed to Christ church. And, Amen. And, and I think more of those, more of those individuals are coming to the top in this season where they're willing mm-hmm. to share their story, share their battle, share their commitment to the gospel. And bring whatever skill they have to the table. My skill coming to the table is a 50,000 foot view, proactive view, the, how do we want this to look view? I mean, when I plan, I plan sermons out 24 months in advance and Whoa, that's way more than me. (laughs) You know, I mean, but, but that's, that's the visioning that, that I bring to the conversation. And That's 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 not everyone's gift, but you know, let us succeed together instead of say, well, Jason, you have to be exactly like me or I have to be exactly like you. No, you know, let's use the gifts and talents that God has given us 
you know, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, you know, yeah. use them to the get together for the good of Christ church. And I think if the CRC would get back to that, we would do amazing things. Amazing. Amen. Yeah. And do you have any, so just kind of to finish things up, one final question on this. Um, what other steps? So you said, if we get back to recognizing each other's gifts and using the gifts that God has given us, um, that'll lead toward, um, you know, reformation in the church. Um, what other things do you think we should be doing right now as, as uh, pastors or members in the CRC? What types of things should we be doing right now um, to help bring reformation in the CRC? I think the big thing is take the, the honest pulse of your church, your membership, your leadership, and understand where your people are, biblically, socially. Um, what are they willing to do? Um, and there are there is no reason why we couldn't add 100 churches in the denomination next year. There are places and churches that could do it, pay for it. Um, if you look at the map, uh, we have gaping holes of where the crc is and isn't um yes you know pick anywhere small town big city uh place people there you know the crc used to do that really well that's how we got to where we are the west coast and the midwest and so on um but people have to take ownership people have to stop pointing at the problems and saying, I'm not going to do this because some bureaucrat in, in Grand Rapids tells me I'm not going to. You know, um, not, not, not that writing an editorial to the banner isn't productive, it is, but it's not nearly as productive as helping to lead and motivate your people to say, what would it look like if we planted three churches in the next five years? Amen. And spur the people to that their own creative thinking um mm -hmm. i mean it can just there can just be such marvelous things you know our church grew by leaps and bounds in five years because three couples said we are going to be members here and we want our friends to be members here and so they went through and started inviting people to their homes and sitting with them during church. And those are simple little things that the widow yeah. lady can do, that the young married couple can do. But those three couples, and obviously God's work, brought in more than 200 individuals. Amen. Why? Because they were willing to be servants. Amen. And you know, that's all, that's all the CRC needs to do. You know, Baldwin, Wisconsin, they did that fantastic when we were there. It didn't matter if you walked into Baldwin CRC, if you were a single black man from Kenya, which they saw as a student, or you were a young married couple or an old married couple, or you had a disability, by the end of that worship service, you would have at least four invitations to a meal that day. 
And that church grew rapidly because of just that tiny little thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone was bought into that. And it wasn't, you know, it was soup. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. here's your four course meal. You know, I mean, it's simple, simple stuff. But people have forgotten the simple things. Yes. You know, Jesus went to people's homes. He broke bread with them. And so the CRC would do leaps and bounds better if we would go back to those missional statements, those original missional things, you know, and invite people to church and then sit with them, introduce other people to them, you know, um, yeah. Right now, if, if we have yeah, a, if we have a visitor come in the door here, um, they are always coming with somebody else, and that's, you know, that's that's how the church works, and that's how faith yeah, deepens amen. in everybody. Yeah, yeah, and what you're getting at is something that's kind of come up as the theme of of this interview is. Um, a, a word of rebuke to to us as pastors and 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 uh well rebuke and encouragement for pastors and congregation members um the rebuke is it's always easier to complain about what's wrong and it's harder to actually do something about it and uh, as pastors we get frustrated with members in our churches who are complaining about whatever um and uh you know my response to uh in my previous church i had um, a young adult come up to me and say, we need a young adult ministry. You don't care about young adults. And, and I said, wow, that sounds like a ministry that you should start. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. So it's always easier to complain than to do something. But the encouragement is the things that you need to do aren't as difficult or as big as you think they are. They're usually small things that are going to lead toward reformation in your local churches which all reformation needs to start at the local church level Uh, there's there will be no reformation at the crc if it doesn't happen at the local church level so whoever's listening to this if you want to see reformation um, start being in community with people and see reformation happen in your church and that will um, broaden itself out but uh, even for pastors you don't have to become the next whatever executive director of the CRC to bring about reformation. Just take a small step and uh, do something easy for your classes. Call a few pastors in your classes and check in on them and see how they're doing in the midst of all the COVID craziness. Right. And uh, these small things lead up to big, big reformation that happens. Well, and it's, it's true, authentic unity, community, Christ centered uh, living. And that's what we always hear from the progressive side. That's always what they call us to have, but they never lead in what that really looks like because they always accept all the sinfulness that comes with it. Mm. What Christ is calling us to is something so unique and so blessed and so uh, glorious, but it's something that changes us completely. It can change. It changes us from being this selfish individual to being a Christ-centered individual. And man, when that happens, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Trevor Mao. Until then, 
Don't forget that this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And he warned us that wolves would come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season, and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Thank you.